0: (laughs) And we're live. Welcome along to this week's edition of DadCast. All the dads are here. Nathan is here. Good afternoon. Hey. This is not our first time doing this. Adrian's here.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And Dave is here. Howdy. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to start with some correspondence. Because it's long and it's very involved. You're you're just going to ignore the
1: fact that we haven't spoken to each other for two months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that if we don't draw attention to it, everybody thinks they must have missed some episodes and actually they'll go and search for it. And then, uh, look, everybody understands the difficulties of parenting mean that sometimes you don't get to do the actual things that you say you'll do, like see you next week, for example. Um, unless you all want to explain. Go on, go on then, Nathan. Take it away. Take the floor. What have
1: you been doing yourself for the last two months? I honestly can't remember the last time we were on. What, 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 what sort of state was the world in at that stage? Were we in a positive frame of mind or a very glum frame of mind?
0: We were in a pretty glum frame of mind. It was, um,
1: oh, well, that's continued. <laughs> <laughs> I've had two more months of that. Glorious. And the weather's shit now. We, we, we should acknowledge how lucky we got as a nation that in our first ever uh, worldwide pandemic, we had two glorious months of weather to send our children outside into. Whereas if, if there's any reason, if people need more of a reason to make sure we avoid a second wave, the thought of winter lockdown should put anybody off. Dear God, the last couple of weeks have been tough. It's been a lot of indoor parenting. So a lot of TV, basically. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) What have you been up to, Nathan? (laughs) Wow. Jesus. Harsh. Been uh, Do my usual level of parenting.
2: It was up to, it was nearly to the day, wasn't it, like that the lockdown stuff got announced that the son decided to make an appearance. Um, But I don't know what we've been up to. It's uh, has it been any more difficult to find the time to sit down and speak to the people who really need to hear our voices? I mean, maybe that, maybe there is. Maybe that's the answer. Nobody really actually needs to hear our voices. We've all been away.
3: Yeah, there's been holidays involved, haven't there? Yeah. I was away for a few yeah. days and Jerry, you had a couple of weeks off and Aiden, you were away. So that's definitely the excuse we can think to if our listeners are asking any direct questions on the matter.
0: They're not, to be fair. <laughs> well, I, that's, that's actually not true because Dave, you said that somebody stopped you and said, what's the story? Where's the dad cast, right? Yeah,
3: somebody, yeah, like one body um, asked me on route back from our holidays on Sunday afternoon, met him in a, a garage off the motorway and it was more of, "Oi, what's the story? Where's the dad cast gone? So I promised him that one would be delivered this week. So if you are that person who said hello in the garage, here you are. I have stuck to my promise and we're all back together.
0: It was a woman who got in touch from Scotland who said she discovered us at the start of lockdown and has now is now up to speed and so hurry up with um new episodes as well. So uh, lo and behold, here we are. If anybody ever wants to get in touch, dadcast at off the ball.com. Or you can also just leave a comment on iTunes. And actually it's unbelievably helpful if you rate the podcast on iTunes in terms of our position on the uh on the charts there and, and for other people to help discover the podcast too. So if you could do that, we would be very, very grateful for you. Um an email from somebody who says, Do not read out my name in bold caps. And so I've cut and pasted it, and now I don't even know what the name is. So I hope. Firstly, thanks for the podcast. I'm not a parent and not even married, but someday hope to experience both. This person has actually emailed us before about uh, about eighteen months ago about a dilemma with his girlfriend and they were talking about not wanting kids and he wanted uh, them yeah, to yeah.
2: so, we... Reveal their identity on that occasion.
0: I don't think so. I'm sure we, <laughs> sure we didn't. You'd want to have to, have to like, go back all the way to the episode on the 23rd of January 2019 to check it. Nobody's gonna, <laughs> nobody's gonna do that. Forgive me as I'm a little behind on the latest episodes. I'm only on episode 43. The topic of divorce was raised. And while I have no direct experience of divorce, not happened to me or my family unit, I have some indirect experience as my girlfriend's sister is divorced. It's hard to express how my girlfriend's sister, who we'll call Mary, not her real name, and her ex husband, John, not his real name, has affected me in my relationship with my girlfriend, even if she doesn't realize it. For starters, I see the mistakes Mary and John have made. Uh, one of the few things that we take very seriously on Dadcast is the let's not be judgmental, which obviously we break every second week here. But so I'm not sure that um, our podcasts. Listener, who we'll call John Ella, has, um, has, has brought this uh, not being judgmental. Anyway, for starters, I see the mistakes <laughs> Mary and John have made. Number one is building a huge house with a huge mortgage. Number two, not living together before getting married. And number three, not recognizing and dealing with postnatal depression. Mary and John have an eight-year-old, a boy, and to say he is stuck in the middle is an understatement. I sometimes can't believe the passive aggressiveness and bitterness Mary and John can show one another. I feel really sorry for the boy. He's sometimes used as a proxy to get gossip on the other one. I know this because Mary frequently canvasses him for information about his dad's life. And I know the opposite is true, as Mary has complained to me about stuff that the boy has told his dad about her. Christmas is a free-for-all, with one parent trying to outbid the other. And the boy shows preference for John's toys over Mary's. Mary is heartbroken and vows to spend more next year, even though she can barely afford it. And don't get me started on holidays. Things are even worse in the land of COVID-19 due to the lockdown. Mary didn't want the boy going to John's house as there is risk to John's parents. So now John comes to Mary's, and previously his house, on Saturday from 9am to half past three in the afternoon. It is awkward beyond belief for all involved, and I know my girlfriend hates it. She moved in with her sister at 20 when the marriage broke up. The ritual has been my girlfriend and Mary go to do the weekly shop for about three hours on Saturday morning and then come back to make some lunch, feeding the boy and John. Mary giving out about having to feed John later on that evening. Thankfully, during lockdown, the weather's been good, so the boy and John are out in the garden mostly. If not, there may have been a homicide. There seems to have been a lot of unresolved issues between Mary and John, but I'm a third party here and it's not like I can tell somebody 10 years older to grow up and sort it out. For me, Mary is still clearly in love with John, but John has completely moved on and even has a girlfriend. I've no doubt this has damaged the boy, but I'm not sure how much. Only the fullness of time will tell. Meanwhile, I wonder... Would I be better than Mary and John in the above scenario? Don't read out my name. Kind regards, anonymous.
2: Wow,
1: wowzers! Judging,
2: judging all day long. Would I be better than John and Mary? Wow. <laughs> what an interesting turn of phrase.
1: I'm, I'm glad he uh, know, put in that question. final it bit bears. of John and Mary. That you know, John has moved on, but Mary has not, which is obviously a key uh, ingredient in this entire story.
2: I wonder. Could he send us? Could we get onto him and ask him to send us sort of weekly updates? I, I want to hear. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm
1: surprised you're surprised he's being judgmental. I would think that when it comes to divorce, everybody is incredibly judgmental and thinks they would do it far, far better that if God forbid something was happening in your relationship and it went downhill, that somehow you would both be able to get to a higher moral ground to put the children first and there'd be none of that pettiness and bitterness. But then you've got to that stage for a reason that yeah. if you're going to go through with a divorce. You clearly have major, major issues and dislike and distrust of each other. And you're, you're not really going like, to... Once a week, somebody turns up your front door for six hours and it all comes back right in front of you. Did he go through why they got divorced? Like, was there infidelity on one side? Was there just a general breakdown in the marriage? It didn't say. Oh, well, come on. Give us that next we need, we need more We need more <laughs> updates. Before we can fully be judgmental. <laughs>
3: It does depend on circumstances. If it's just a case of two people growing apart but remain friends, which does happen in a lot of cases where separation or divorce are involved, it's far easier to you know, put the blocks in place for the child not to be caught as the go-between. But if it's infidelity or there's animosity and hatred, I can't imagine how bad and difficult it must be. Like I know we're kind of taking the mick with some of our questions, but that's a horrific situation that child is in. And if that mother is still in love with the husband, it's an even worse situation for her. Um, I've, uh, funnily enough, a couple of times I've had that dream where we're actually in the throes of divorce. And it's got to the point in the dream where I'm, online looking at ha- apartments I can rent
2: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm
3: so glad Dave that you said apartments and horrified by you know the, the financial difficulties this is going to cast me into and you wake up and you kind of look over and your wife is in the bed beside you and you just go thank god like, <laughs> it's, imagine, imagine not being able to live in the same house as your children um, Not being able to see them every day, um, having to arrange a meeting time to meet your own kids, and there being a cutoff point for that meeting—it's just beyond belief. I have so much sympathy for. Generally, fathers probably find themselves more so than mothers in this situation, but it can work either way. Huge sympathy for anyone in that situation, and I'd say it's really difficult to wade through those waters. And obviously, this particular couple are finding that process incredibly hard.
2: I can't even imagine, like, it is, I, can't, I can't even imagine, begin to think about that. Like, that's so horrific. But I suppose it probably sounds like you get, they have come to a point and people get to a point where the decision has to be made. Like, I, there's so much in what you might saying saying there, but, like, the unresolved, there are so many unresolved issues. Like, they ain't resolving them now. Like, the whole point that they're getting divorced is that they don't have any interest in resolving them. So they're not going to suddenly sit down now, I don't think, and say, well, let's figure this stuff out, you know, even for the sake of the child, I mean, I don't know.
0: I think, very, I think only for the sake of
2: the child. Like, well, it, it sounds I, like that's a very, like, it's very easy to say that. Anyway, I think that's sort of what Nathan was saying, wasn't it? Like that, it's we could, you could sit here and say the thing is to do, do this, that, and the other, and it's all very easy to say. But I mean, I think that they've obviously been through. I'm, I, you'd have to assume that, like, people don't. I can't imagine anybody particularly.
0: Let Let's go back. Right. So, it, like, they go it, as the I mean, first option. uh,
2: I'm sure they've been through all the eventualities about trying to keep together for the sake of the kid.
0: Well, actually, probably a slower reading when you you go back to, um, so the three mistakes that Mary and John made, building a huge house with a huge mortgage, so obviously financial constraints, that's, money is one of the main reasons why people fall out in all walks of life, particularly in relationships, not living together before getting married. So maybe they were less compatible than they thought they were and not recognising and dealing with postnatal depression, like, um, if they haven't dealt with that, the suggestion would be then they haven't really dealt with any of the issues that uh, that came up. Um, I was listening to, uh, that was, my mind has gone blank. Um, who wrote the, the Blind Side? Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis has a brilliant podcast series and mm. there's two um, the first one is about refereeing and the second one is about coaching. And the second one about coaching makes you realise that actually you need help all the time. You, you need help with all different aspects of your life, from how to run your finances, to how to get fit, to how to cook properly, to how to go about your day job. Every aspect of life. He needs help driving is, is one of the things that strikes me, um, that, that comes into it. And it's like it's just a thing you do every day, but actually he was getting a bit of road rage and talked to somebody about it and that helped him calm down. Um, when you think about like the difficulties that couples get themselves into, particularly when you just kind of blunder your way through life, like building a huge house with a huge mortgage means you've got no money for anything that you actually like to do. So you end up getting locked in this kind of very nice prison that you thought was going to be your dream home. But all of a sudden there's a case of postnatal depression. And on top of that, you probably don't know each other that well or as well as you thought you did. You can see how that would lead to resentment and that resentment festers. And if you don't get coaching, if you don't actually ask for the right help, or if you get the wrong help at the wrong time, that's like a pretty horrific spiral to be in, isn't it? Uh,
1: And that's most people in, okay, not to that extreme, but you generally, most people meet their future wife in their mid to late twenties, thirties, where you're young, you're free, you've got money you have this life that isn't realistic to the one that's coming five years down the track where suddenly children arrive you have never had that stress you may have never had to deal with any you literally could be with somebody for eight or nine years and have had no major setback in your relationship at all aside from the usual fights here and there and suddenly you know a child arrives there's postnatal depression there's issues that you've never even had to can you talk through any sort of issue like that? You've no experience of it. And suddenly you're married. And the, the, yeah, the, like suddenly this huge, these huge events in your life that you need to get through together. And if you've never had to get through them before, how do you know the other person is going to respond in the right way? How do you know you're going to be able to deal with it? You don't, you just have to trust that you will. But obviously an awful lot of people can't.
3: Well, I felt in the beginning of lockdown and we actually said it aloud to each other this next eight weeks will be a, a proper test of our relationship, because the life. Dave, if the you just moment hold moment your moment microphone moment up there a bit, because thing. we
2: can hear you much better when you
3: w- We spoke. We spoke uh, as a quartet on the podcast about the life that we were grieving, having lost it. That was not that gone. close, Dave. <laughs> um, and you know everything that we took for granted was gone. And I remember saying to my wife, this next eight weeks will be a little bit of a test because we're going to be in each other's pockets. The boys are going to be right on top of us and us them. And there's no school. There's no child minors. All the extracurricular activities all gone. Now, as you say, Nathan, the weather helped massively. But a lockdown was probably a microcosm of the relationship that some people find themselves in permanently, like this couple, for example. So we've maybe got a small taste of what it's like to try and survive and to try and develop your relationship under these circumstances. Imagine, as you say, Jerry, if you're in a house that you can't leave because you literally haven't got a a few bob at the end of the month to go out and have dinner or something or do something that you enjoy and that being permanently the case, and then throw postnatal depression in on top of that. Throw in the fact that maybe you realize that the love story that you were so invested in prior to moving in together is now starting to unravel a little. It's, uh, I don't think this guy was looking for advice, was he? He wasn't necessarily looking for an opinion or anything. He was just telling us a
0: story. It was about divorce and how he has no direct experience, but obviously it's very directive. it's uh, his girlfriend's family. And, you know, I, I kind of suggest that this might have an impact on them moving in. The last line was about, um, uh, oh, I've actually deleted it there, did I? Uh, still not living with my girlfriend, but we have agreement on having kids. Uh, that was the earlier email. So at some point, I suspect they will end up living together before they get married. They have um, agreement uh, on
2: like, not having kids. What, what's his name? Well, he <laughs> says he wants like, to have I,
0: kids. He, he hopes to have to to it, and they have agreement on having kids at some point. So they obviously yeah. came to an agreement that they will have kids. Um Yeah. Oh, the, the other thing is that,
2: like, we're, we're discussing about obviously the reasons why they got there, and like, that's tough and it's very specific to that couple, obviously. And I'm sure, um, not unique either, I'm sure, particularly in this country, that people tend to get straddled with that for whatever reason, um, maybe far too easily. But, like, I suppose, like, divorce is a fact of life anyway, for whatever reason. Like, somebody mentioned there, was there a fidelity issue? Like, there are a million different reasons why people get divorced, I suppose. It's the impact on the kid, isn't it? Like, that's the overall thing here and like I don't know I'm sure there are uh, hundreds of thousands of studies about the impact that divorce has on kids like it doesn't always need to be uh, it doesn't need to be an horrific exp- it's not ideal like sure it's quite clearly not ideal but it doesn't need to be an horrific experience that people can be adult about it and like, I suppose what you need to do is to try and guide the kids through what are some pretty turbulent times where they don't have any understanding as to why mom and dad, like they couldn't even begin to get their head around and I'm sure. that you say age or was it? An Eight. eight-year-old, uh, yeah. Like, would, I mean, the even older begin. the kid gets, the older right.
3: the child gets, the more wise the child will become to the situation and how to work. situation to their advantage if it's very obvious that one parent is trying to outdo the other when it comes to presents christmas birthdays holidays etc maybe that is going to become an even bigger problem because when that kid turns 10 11 and gets into his or her teens, they'll know exactly how to get what they want or need from the parents and actively go to play one parent off the other and that is a really ugly, unhealthy situation for any child to be in because you end up getting everything that you want, having to do nothing for it, and the relationship is going to get further damaged.
0: To be honest, I think the most important thing is for the parents to get right themselves because you can't really be a great parent and steer the kid through any difficult times if you haven't got to the point where you actually can talk about it in a meaningful and calm manner. And they they obviously need a little bit of help to get there. And I guess the, the question you were asking earlier, like they're obviously not going to go and seek the help now. Now is exactly when they need a little bit of counseling to work out the fact that, oh, we saddled ourselves with that. We made this mistake. We did this. And that resulted in the divorce not actually necessarily a fault. It's a mistake. These people make mistakes and you don't actually have to blame them for it. And then you get to the point where you make an accommodation with that and you begin to be able to move on. And then it's like, oh, that, that didn't work out. And you can explain that to the child. So like, the, putting the child at the center of why you need to fix things might not lead you to the point where you actually end up fixing things and understanding them a bit. Like, obviously, you're, you're going to look after the kids, you know?
1: You um, are, so but that it, that. it does, uh, that, that's a great point. I, I wonder how many people do that. So, okay, counselling may not save their relationship right now, but going to counselling to talk about how can actually we make this mm-hmm. better for our child because, as Dave says, the child is going to cop on. Eight-year-olds are very perceptive of oh. mommies. You know, mommy's asking me what daddy's girlfriend's like. Oh, well, maybe I'll somehow work this that I get my... Well, she's lovely and she lets me play in that brand new Nintendo all day, every day. So I absolutely love her. I've i had one of them at home. Mm. But, but like it does here and it's easy to be judgmental. It just sounds so messy. Even he comes over on a Saturday, but they go out into the back garden and they go out of the house. So they're never really in the house together at the same time because there's no way a child isn't picking up on that.
2: No, I wonder. Smart. I wonder. I do wonder. Like, I don't know. It seems like a great idea, but I can't imagine. I mean, I don't know. I've absolutely no experience of it, but it does strike me that, you know, like also by the way, they could have been to endless counselling or sessions, obviously, sure, yeah. try and resolve it up. But we don't know any of them. And people can go through all of that and still come out the other side and still decide that it's not for them. Well, um, I'd say
3: he would. Our emailer would have mentioned that if they had been through that process i I would have thought at least
2: but what i'm saying is that like i think when you get to that point she's the idea of it's it's a great idea but the idea i think of people who've clearly just found their way to a position where they have no time for each other to put it mildly that you the suggestion that they should go and sit down and like there's a um Amiability, i don't know whatever about all of that stuff that I'm not sure, seems to be maybe slightly beyond where they're at at the minute.
1: The alternative is the side we don't hear about. So like, that sounds very grim, but like maybe more people should get divorced. <laughs> the, the alternative is the side you don't hear, which is the children who are stuck in a house where the parents have got to the stage where they hate each other's guts, you know, and maybe dreaming about divorce. <laughs> 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 I've, I, 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 I've, I've mm-hmm. had, from time to time, i had similar dreams, Dave, and it is a weird sensation where, and I, I don't know how it gets to that part of, and, and it always comes around to you're not going to see the kids basically, and this feeling, a sick to your stomach feeling of oh my, and you wake up and you just said there's just unbelievable relief of. Just after
0: show. like like large nights out and you
3: know you you're,
2: you're this our year made
3: <laughs> We should also categorise it correctly as a
2: nightmare and not a dream. <laughs> <That's->
0: <laughs> Adrian, have you had a
2: divorce dream? Well, there have been nights where I've woke up in the middle of the night and I've been on the internet and I've been uh, searching for... Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Got weird <laughs> uh, I
0: have. I have not had this dream either. But that's... Um, this, is, this is like... Uh, obviously, I don't know if you're listening to the Sopranos podcast at the moment, but obviously the uh, analysis of dreams and all that kind of stuff is um, a huge part of that. And uh, sometimes the dreams mean something and sometimes the dreams don't mean anything. But like the fact that it's recurring... How many, how many? times has this
3: happened to you? Uh, not, mine wasn't recurring; it was just one. Night. Just once.
0: But it recently,
3: was the, uh, I, I went, I'd say in the last two or three years. It, just the gripping part of it was how vivid it was. It was the level of yeah. detail and how uh, tangible the feelings were, both in the dream, obviously when they're at yeah. their most tangible. But, but after I woke up as well, the sheer relief. That, yeah. Because it is. It's you know aside from losing your health or. You know, falling in hard times financially, or someone incredibly close to you dying. Like to me, that is up there with my worst nightmares. Having my marriage crumble and being forced to leave my family home and book an appointment to see my boys. And so you wake up the following morning, you're just like, Christ, thank God that was a nightmare, and that all is well with the world. Um, but for me, not recurring. You know, that's not to say it won't occur again. But it, for the, it's just been the once so far. There's, been, there's many other dreams that I have on a regular basis. Like
2: uh, We don't need to know that. <laughs> yeah, careful right.
3: now. <laughs> the one um... it, it's May and you realize you have not opened a book. You don't even know what subjects you're taking for your finals, let alone um, you haven't started studying yet. Uh, like I have a dream where I'm w- wandering around trying to find an office in DCU where they can tell me what list I'm on as to what subjects I'm supposed to be taking because I know the exams are coming down the track in a month. I have that at least once every two or three months I'd say but this uh, this divorce dream no just the once and hopefully it stays that way
2: um, I've just looked up a website here Dave called dreamstop.com um, about what the meaning of dreaming about divorce can be it says it's a time to reorganize and reset the priorities in your life maybe you need to make sure that you separate your problems from a part of yourself it can also mean that you have a fear of being alone Dave a dream about a divorce can reflect the stress in your everyday life
3: yeah the, uh they're, they're on point about, you know, a fear of being alone, but it's hardly a stretch, is it? I mean, who doesn't fear being alone?
1: Yeah, well, I think right now there's no fear of having a dream like that because you just can't be alone right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Under any circumstances. Under any
1: circumstances can you be alone for any period of time.
3: <laughs> we, we, like, we, like you guys, do not have locks on our toilet doors.
2: And...
1: I do have a lock in my
2: toilet door. Again. Oh, Just
1: do right, I'm starting to use it more and more often.
3: Are you not worried that one, that one of the kids will lock themselves in?
2: Yes.
1: No, it's one of so those you could get a, you could get a, a coin lock, and you open, open it from
2: it the a, outside. Open it with a key. Well, you can open it with a coin. Mm. Okay, right. You know, one of those deadlocks, not a key.
3: Okay, well, we are, are what all of a key. They've all been removed, which is difficult if you've guests over and they're using it. You do have to <laughs> rely <on them. laughs> you have to warn them oh, and uh, everybody everybody else in the gathering by the way there's no lock on that door so uh, just maybe keep your foot up against
0: it will
2: you
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good kind of making sure no one's actually going to have a shit in your house
2: <laughs> oh, there's nothing worse than in there when, you, when you're when you fearful that like there's no lock on the door you're like oh, but it could burst in at any moment
3: and you can you can double down on that by removing all the toilet roll as well
1: <laughs> you sick yeah, bastards yeah.
0: People don't realise until it's too late with that one, and that's just a nightmare. <laughs> Nobody wants to lose t- 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 You can lose <laughs> out there ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry,
1: Nathan, just to layer the point on your divorce dreams, how often have you had them? Oh no, not on a, I, I do when once Dave mentioned it, I do remember having had one. Uh, did you discuss
2: this with your other halves? Yeah, what did your what did your wives think? Uh
1: I didn't Think, to bring it, it. up. <laughs> I haven't mentioned it. You're, I mean, but, sure it's, it's right. dream, but sure, it's a dream slash nightmare. Like if they don't mean necessarily.
3: Well, Nathan was just more that. About, Nathan was saying, "I don't want to be giving her any ideas." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I said it. I as soon as we woke up that morning, I told us the nightmare story. I said, "You will never guess what I dreamt about last night." Um.
1: You <laughs> went for a long thought, list.
3: There would I would dream about uh, us breaking up regularly. A divorce one is specific it's probably in, on its own in its own category but splitting up yeah that would it, that would be a regular, regular i would regular. dream about
0: us breaking up regularly is the uh, is the heading of the name of this episode yeah. ladies and gentlemen
3: i don't know what that speaks to but uh, maybe adrian can plug that into his little internet search engine. hang about give me a minute <laughs> but uh, again that probably goes back to you know the fear of being alone or everyone fears losing what they most cherish. That's what it's about as well. And if you're going to have a nightmare about losing something that you love and that you value and that you cherish, well, your relationship with your wife or your kids, your whatever it is, it's, it's, uh, there's probably nothing too new in that, I would suggest. I say that's a pretty regular occurrence. It might not be your wife or your children. It could be your carving stolen, if that's your, what your prize, most prized possession may be. To some people, it could be.
2: I have by, co- incoming different website this time. I don't know. It's uh, it is called to be fair. This website, and this should be a flag for everybody is called trusted psychic
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Take it with a pinch of salt. I think is a short story on that. Uh, what do your dreams about breaking up uh, mean? When you start having dreams about breaking up, it really means that you have something in your life that you need to let go of. It's something that you find hard to let go of or part with. Such as, and they've hopefully given a few things as to what it might be here, an unhealthy habit, Dave. A toxic lover. <laughs> oh, or is... or and maybe this explains Nathan's, a thankless job. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: like <a> thankless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, i probably I'll probably fall under category A there.
2: No toxic lovers then. No.
3: Or, or thankless jobs. You have to have a job <laughs> first. Well, What's have it. Oh, habit? Uh, but hang on. There's only so far I'm willing to go
2: on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, regular listeners will probably know.
3: Um, you know, I can probably, I can probably come clean on this sort of stuff over a few pints maybe in a year or two. But, uh, no, definitely not over the airwaves.
1: Did you hear Our about s- the nightclub on Bagot Street? Hmm, No. Where the guards walked in, it was in uh, the papers today. All right, this is a bad joke. A, Sorry, no, on. I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, that's right. The headline was: Courtiers of nightclub where nude man tied to crucifix had bum whipped in front of naked customers. Who? <laughs> oh. Was that a, a downstairs nightclub on Baggett Street? Guards like walked re- in to raid it. It's
3: a regular Thursday night, isn't it?
1: Well, that's what I think wondered, there should Dave, be a
2: you'd heard of post lockdown where whatever it is, whatever weird shit it is, <laughs> people get up to they're allowed. Like, they're allowed not to have to go before the courts once, for that yeah, sense. Sort of like like,
3: a, like a, a post-lockdown purge. You can. It's been a weird
2: time. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's allowed I mean, to strap themselves to a crucifix, go into it. Dublin city centre nightclub and get the arse flogged off
1: themselves. <laughs> 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 oh. Sorry, I don't know, I just uh, came to mind there.
2: That escalated.
0: <laughs> all these stories about divorce. Nathan's like, "That's what I'm doing."
2: <laughs> Give me the details for that club, quick. Yeah, was this a dream, Nathan? One of your dreams? Why, <laughs>
1: why do you only find out about these things once they're shut down? <laughs>
0: uh, uh, how How was the bringing the kids to meet the grandparents and all that stuff? Yeah, it
3: was. Um, it was fine. Like they're uh, the indelible. Imprint of COVID is very obvious to see on my two boys, particularly my youngest boy. Um, We had one moment a couple of weeks ago where he insisted he had gone to the toilet and he insisted on pulling his underpants back up himself, as opposed to me doing it for him. And obviously, no other way, the underpants they just get all raveled up, they get tangled up, and they're just like one line of underpants (laughs) up around his hip somewhere. And he kind of staggered out into the hallway, and his nana was there, and she said, oh, I'll get that free!" And so she crouched down in front of him, right in front of him and kind of brought, pulled his underpants up for him. And he just recoiled. And he just kind of leaped back and just went, whoa, is the coronavirus gone? This is a three-year-old. Oof. And I was, it was hilarious at the time. And then on reflection, it just spoke to me of the, um, the profound stain on their brain matter that COVID-19 is going to leave for a long time that a three-and-a-half-year-old was aware and conscious enough to recognise that he had been uh, touched and c- hugged and cradled by his nana for the first time in four months. So I think we will probably be seeing the effects of this for a long time, but um, I think generally they're, they're, they're happy enough to slowly ease their way back in, both parties, both grandsons and, and grandparents, because it's, um, it's still out there. It's like anyone who thinks that the dangers that we were very fearful of two months ago are have been eradicated completely are just kidding themselves.
1: Yeah. is it, That legacy that is probably going to be there, because my kids are the same, but there's a, one of them was, oh, the coronavirus is gone, isn't it? Because we're allowed to go out and see our friends now. And you're like, well, no, it's not gone. You're still meant to clean your hands, wash them properly. Uh, but like, is that necessarily a, massively negative thing or is that just going to be their sort of new reality that if this lasts for several years as people predict that actually it needs to leave some sort of a mark on them they need to know that they need to behave slightly differently than we would have when we were that age
2: i think it's the difference between like the legacy or the mark of knowing to wash your hands or to keep clean versus like mental scars right like I think that's what Dave is
1: getting at, is it? But yeah. that, that, like, that's not necessarily a mental scar. That's an awareness that they need to behave differently around their grandparents, which is a fact. It's not something they're just, you know, it's not something that they've made up in their head. Actually, they are going to need to maintain this over the coming years. Yeah, um, but like, it, It's obviously terrible, but... Is it not a loss
3: of innocence, though, that a three-year-old is aware of a pandemic and a virus that can kill their grandparents? Um that we never really would have had knowledge or awareness of anything so sinister and serious at that age. Like I, I, I would never in, a, in a, an ideal world have wanted my three-year-old to be aware of such a thing.
2: Yeah. I think that's fair enough. But like, um, I don't know. There's a lot of, I don't know, just I don't, maybe a slightly bizarre thought, but like there are a lot of three-year-olds across the planet that are, mm. have, a, have suffering a loss of innocence for, including in this country over the years, by the way, um, for a lot of different reasons. And um, we were probably, like, I don't know, were we're, were we very closeted for a long period of time? Look, in an ideal world, we don't have to go through this nonsense, right? Like, it would be fantastic if we didn't have to go through it and we could impart some sort of a normal, what we know as normal childhood on our kids, I suppose, the thing. But um, I don't know, like, it's hard to... It's Anyway, also, I suppose, even now that I sort of talk about that like you, it's impossible to sit down with a, your a three-year-old and go by the way the coronavirus is not the biggest thing in the world there are three-year-olds in other parts of the world that have to make bricks for a living to bring a livelihood in for the family or whatever like it's, I it's good chat <laughs>
0: that's yeah. going to be an exciting chat
1: you only you only have a fear of death other three-year-olds are facing actual death actual death so <laughs> <laughs> come on
3: so wise up yeah. And we're not even worried about you dying. We're worried yeah.
1: about you being a killer for the old people <laughs> yeah. in our lives. You'll be fine. It's just your grandmother you might kill. <laughs> yeah. <might> killed.
0: <laughs>
3: but it is interesting when you try and give them an insight into what life might be like elsewhere in the world. Like for example, if a, thro- if a toy gets thrown across a room or, and maybe results in some superhero's arm gets broken off and they're picking it up and they're going, Oh daddy, can you just buy me another one of these uh, yeah. incredible Hulk super figures, hero figures? And I'm like, Well, no, actually, because that was given to you as a present by your granny. And now look at it. His arm is missing. I said, do you you understand that there are children in this world that literally do not know where their next meal is coming from? And you have two Hulk figures, one of which you have just removed, surgically removed an arm. And the first instinct is to turn around and tell me that I should go and buy you another one.
1: They 're not so, even in the room day by the time you finish that sentence I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> like.
3: and if they are, you can almost literally <laughs> yeah. see the words go in one ear and then emerge out the other one. But I do try and take those little opportunities from time to time, like when they won 't eat their dinner. you know you do realize there are children who haven't had a dinner in four or five days, and they are almost, work. They're, but sometimes for a few seconds they are wide-eyed looking at you, thinking, "Is that actually true?": I mean yeah, how I might even ask happy?
1: a few questions is the I guess the. Yeah. Best thing.
0: My, my five-year-old just looked at me and goes, I'm not into this when I'm saying that kind of stuff. Like she literally, I was in the middle of it the other day. She looked over to me and went, yeah, I'm not into this. I walked away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, w- I wouldn't have believed it. My sister-in-law was there as well. And she goes, did she just say, did she, did that just happen? I was like, yes, she's a real character. You know, and you kind of it's like, yes, she is a real character. Yes. When she's 23, this is going to be great. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. The journey from her being five to, like, off earning her own money is going to be, oh, God.
3: Well, that line where your son says to your daughter, stop talking, you're boring me now. Like, that is, that's dagger to the heart stuff. Like, I'm trying to impart my 40 years of knowledge here. Stop talking, you're boring me.
2: You're kind of funny. (laughs) how (laughs) How difficult do you find it to not impart the life lessons every time something comes up? I mean like you do it a lot right yeah that's like and an, I, I'm it is boring <laughs> and I've been wondering if like a it's worth the hassle right because like you say like you're sitting down and you're sort of like preaching the 14th commandment from the book of Adrian for the 100 million time and they could give a toss about it um so it's losing its effectiveness and also like I don't know Like, those conversations at dinner, I find that, like, you know, he's not eating his broccoli. uh, Have three bites of the broccoli, or there's no TV, or you're not getting your biscuit after dinner. That works far better than the, you know, that works out.
3: You have a 10-second window, max, maybe less than that, in which to get your message across. And if you haven't, if you go over the 10 seconds, you might as well just be talking to the wall because they've tuned out. They're already thinking yeah. about something they've seen. Blah, blah, blah. they have forgotten what's you know, going on. Yeah. Exactly. It's like Homer, you know, with the, <laughs> the monkey picking the nits out of the other monkey's hair. It's just like, he's, he's zoned out and he's talking about something. They're thinking about something entirely different. Like, yeah. I wonder what Hulk beat a megalodon in a scrap. Yeah, so absolutely. You uh, you just have to be very uh, succinct and you have to choose your words very carefully. There are times when my wife has walked Shut in up. in the middle of a... Uh, mini lecture, and she just says, "Do you not realise he he's gone? You know,
2: spiritually,
3: <laughs> spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, he has slammed the door." And, Thanks for your help. Uh, you can hear the footsteps walking away from the room. He's gone. He's he may be there physically, but he's gone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Doctor Doctor McIntyre, I'm g- <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you think your children are going to find the uh, return to school and the step away from? Family again, not even school. If they're so my two eldest lads are going down to their grandparents tomorrow for a couple of nights and seem very excited. Well, we still have the baby. Ah, so uh, but she is going to be devastated that they're not around. But I had one, I'd say for the first time, the two lads who are absolutely they were inseparable before this and now are absolutely inseparable. I had one of them in the car by himself, and I was wondering what was going on. He was having a good conversation. And I realized he hadn't realized his brother wasn't in the car with him and was talking to him for about four minutes about Minecraft. Wow. And he's like, and then when we get home, we do this. And he's like, Zach, why aren't you talking to me? And I'm like, you know, he's not here. He's like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just wondering how they're going to get back to like not being in the same class, not spending every moment of everything together. That's brilliant. Like it's, and Jesus, like how lucky have we been that like there's 18 months between them and they can occupy each other all day. And like, they row a bit, but not too much and are incredibly close and have the same interests and all of that. But it is that, like, that would be my concern in terms of the mental impact as to how they separate again. Having had six months, and particularly with the 18-month-old year when her mother goes back to work in September, having had us around and, like, the noise of the house constant for the 15 hours she's awake every day, how she goes back to... Like,
2: can I say? Can I say two things? First of all, it's you. Your eighteen-month-year-old is endlessly eighteen-month-year-old. She's actually two. She's actually two in a well, couple of weeks. You'll be glad. You'd say, be glad to know. she's been eighteen-month-year-old <laughs> about six
1: months, for about a year. <laughs> but she's two. She's two in a couple of weeks. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> You'll be delighted.
3: Well, you've turned. You've somehow managed to turn something that's incredibly positive into a negative there. And I, I, I Like
1: this is, well, that's me, isn't it? <laughs>
3: like, I, there must be a cloud permanently hovering over you. Jesus. Um, because I have not, you've, now you've got me thinking about the downside to what you've just spoken about. Because it's been oh, no. in our house. These guys used to fight all the time to the point where I was just, I was losing the rag regularly. I just couldn't handle the, being asked to play referee 55 times a day. And in the last four or five months, they've become inseparable. Best friends, they play to get, they could play together for two hours. there has been times where I've been, okay, well, we're gonna go to the park and let everyone get their shoes on, whatever. And they're like, oh no, can we just play for a few more minutes? And I've now stopped even attempting to break it up because I love to see it. There's nothing more I love than standing in a doorway, maybe 25 yards away and just watching from afar as the two of them go through some superhero make-believe battle and each person is playing an equal role, and each person is contributing as much as the other to whatever it is they've come up with. And, yeah, you're right, Nathan, there's going to be a little bit of a tremor when, particularly the older guy who's got two weeks of GA camp coming up in uh, the first fortnight of August, the younger guy is going to wake up, and he's just going to be like, where is Dylan? And what is going on here? Because he's been my play date every day since mid-March. So, there's going to be a little bit of a jolt. You're right. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: We had um, somebody go to a, an art camp for a day. It was an, a, an afternoon thing at the eldest and the middle one who has got to do everything that the eldest has got to do over this period of time, even though she's like three years younger and really shouldn't be doing all the stuff, um, was like inconsolable that she wasn't allowed to go to the art camp because it was for eight-year-olds and above. And um, <clears throat> we kind of realised that the the reason she was inconsolable wasn't because she felt like she was missing out, it's because she actually missed her sister. So she was like uh, crying at the window, saying her sister's name, like in kind of heartbreaking, I miss you. And it was like, all right, Jesus. So, I mean, it has been good for their relationship. I think in the long run, it's actually a good thing that they've Mm -hmm. got this to fall back on. And then they'll hopefully not be the clingiest kids of all time and actually just glad to see other human beings of similar size in the flesh and like I think all that social distancing for that age group is just going to go completely out the window no matter what the guidelines are uh, they'll wash their hands when they're reminded to, they'll spray um, their hands when they're reminded to and the rest of the time they'll be like mauling each other and sharing food and sweets and licking each other and kissing each other because that's what kids do no?
3: yeah Yeah. there's there's no way to stop that you just have to manage it and there will be outbreaks and they just have to be managed as well but um no, like we've talked we've talked regularly over the last few months about the positives and there are positives and that's definitely one of them siblings are coming together in a way that probably might never have happened um, like I see it's almost like in the last six months the older guy has started seeing, the younger guy is an actual human being that deserves <laughs> attention and um, respect, respect wow. and to be, to be treated as an, an equal. Because prior to that, there was still older brother versus little brother, but that's an awful lot of that's gone out the window. And it's been, it's been a real privilege to watch. It's been great to watch. And hopefully that remains. And then when they do get separated from each other, that, that sense of uh, belonging to each other will still be there when one of the other comes home and they'll, um, They won't forget about what they've built over the last few months. They'll actually just throw themselves straight back into it, which would be amazing.
2: Our two have just become insanely jealous of each other. I'm um, unhappy to report that my experience is vastly different, it sounds (laughs) like, from all of yours. The two of them are just uh, insanely jealous. They're obviously younger than all of yours, um, although the youngest one seems to have overtaken Nathan's
1: (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) She's not still 18, 18 and a half year, 18 yeah, years.
2: 18 year huh? um, oh yeah, they're just insanely jealous of each other. And I don't know, they're not probably at an age yet where they're like, um, where they are. They, I'd say, I don't know what your experience was at that age, like three and 18 months, Nathan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, will, they, will they start at some point to
3: like. Yeah, they w- will.
2: Definitely will.
3: There are two, there's, the, like, the jealousy is, is, is incredible at that age. Like, I, I talked about it when we first started this podcast 18 months ago. I was back almost in your shoes, and mm. just the constant fighting. And the... Jealousy
0: never leaves, ever, ever. They always measure everything against each other, But always. They'll just
1: eventually find that they have enough things in common that they don't kill each other all the time.
2: It's like, it's the fight over, like, a, a dinosaur where it's there's sort of like... 14 dinosaurs. It doesn't matter. That one.
0: And I'm trying
2: to explain. The, the difficulty I have at the minute is that obviously I can't talk to the younger one. I can't explain anything to her. So really no point in having a great conversation with her. Whereas with the older lad, I can say, listen, will you just leave it with her for 30 seconds? She'll get fed up with it because you don't have it and then you have it back. And I yeah, can,
0: that doesn't work either. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, well, sometimes. I've tried that I want- it's like, no, I want it. It's mine. You can't have it. Yeah. it I, I'm taking it. It's mine. You're like. But also, <laughs> I, like he's. I'm sure he's like in his tiny little head going, like, why is it me every time? Like, why do you have to tell her? I'm constantly picking on me over.
0: Mario Balotelli is your son, essentially. Why exactly? always me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: I look, think the, fre-
2: the frequency of the fighting to the
3: playing together is incredibly imbalanced in your house at the moment, Adrian, and it as it has been in each of our houses. And then as time goes on, it starts to get somewhere closer to parity, and then as time further elapses, the frequency is far more weighted on the side of them playing together rather than fighting, to the point where we're now in the point where it's like 90-10, 95-5 in of wow. percentages. And it's, wow. it's a great place to be. You're, That's very far. You're two yeah. will get there. But at the age they're at now... <laughs> They're just where every other sibling rivalry is when there's a gap of 18 years to two and a half years. They just would rather the other person wasn't there. If they had their choice, they'd rather the other kid didn't exist. But yeah. they do, so there's nothing they can do about it, but they will act out. And that's just a fact of life.
0: I mean, I don't want to paint any kind of, uh, any wrong picture here. We've had biting to the point where skin was nearly broken and uh, a bruise that lasted two weeks. We've had punches in the eyes. We've had all sorts of things used as weapons.
3: And what we've about had the kids?
0: A new <laughs> we've had a, <laughs> a newfound ability to climb out the window and run away, which is a little bit frightening and a little bit scary. <laughs> and, uh, and there's definitely a, a, an urge to run from our youngest who will just burst. And like, that's terrifying. I that, I don't have dreams. I have like waking nightmares where he bursts and it's into a road and you're like, oh, Jesus. So, um yeah. Frequently, I'll be minding my own business on a cycle, and all of a sudden, an explosion in my mind goes, What if he bursts into the road? And uh, yeah, so it's not all, there's definitely, it is the opposite of all sweetness and light, but at least they're, they're, they'll fight with each other, kill each other, we'll get angry about it, and they'll have forgiven each other yeah. eight seconds later, and we'll still be going, Why don't you? Get? Okay, just shut up. Just yeah. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, I was going like to <clears throat> go
2: yeah.
1: no, say, We had a kicking in the face incident yesterday but at a neighbour's house. And not even a neighbour we really know, so there's some kids from around who live a little bit further down the estate, and they'd gone into their back garden, and one came back in tears that his brother had kicked him in the face. So there's that mix of, well, you shouldn't have kicked your brother in the face, but... And were the parents out in the back <laughs> when this happened? <laughs> no, I don't know where they were. So they didn't see this? No, no, that's, that's well, that, that fine. That is fine. Don't kick your brother in the face again, but definitely don't do it if other people are watching.
3: Oh, yeah, it's all about keeping up appearances.
1: But, and there's also the, and what did you do to deserve it question,
0: which is oh. 100% victim blaming. Yeah. It is a, I, I get Absolutely. that it's the wrong thing to do, but yeah. like it's inevitable.
2: Yeah, with that,
0: that's G happening here to me first
2: all the time. Probably where like, it. if we're not looking at them, so if the youngest one falls as she did, which was partly my fault, down the uh, to be fair, like there's like a little three, uh, three steps in the middle of the house, and she <laughs> clattered on them, and the, like I left her at the top of them, which is perfectly able to negotiate, and turned away. To walk the other direction and just heard this clatter, and she's still got a massive scar across her. It's not great. But uh, not in that instance because he wasn't around. But normally, when stuff like that happens, the first thing I'll do is say to the brother, Did you do that with her? And he knows already, he'd be like, I don't know if he's playing me or whatever. But he definitely knows that there's an, he, an, an inherent accusation. No matter how, like, oh, did you happen to, like, no matter how you disguise it, I'm like, You're my go to here. You, did you do that?
3: Yeah, their ability, their ability to lie, is frightening. They can just flat out deny something that is obviously very untrue. So they'll tell you, "Did you hit him?" Even though you've actually seen the hitting (laughs) take place. Did you hit him? (laughs) No. Are you sure? sure. No. Didn't hit him. And you always play play the older kids. No.
0: Well, here's the thing. What about those times when you actually get it wrong, and there's corroborating evidence? where you've, you've accused somebody in the wrong. Do you remember the sense of injustice when you were a child, when you mm. were accused of doing something you didn't? You still remember the four or five times that it happened out of the 20,000 times you were accused of doing <laughs> it. You still remember. Barely, I like, so I, that has happened a couple of times and it's been like, oh, Jesus. I'm really sorry that I accused you of doing this thing because normally you do do this thing. That's the problem. Here's a nice pop. <laughs> <of> yeah. <laughs> let's watch some TV. <laughs>
2: yeah, let's watch a movie, yeah.
0: We, um, we're nearly out of time here, lads, and we haven't done about three or four of the topics that, um, that were pretty good. Dave, you've been having the birds and bees conversation or avoiding it. We'll do that next week, I think, maybe. Yeah, um, a,
3: yeah. this is an opportunity maybe now for our listeners to, um, they, to get, they can spend the week advising the likes of myself and I'm sure Nathan hey, oh. as well and yourself will be able to advise as to how exactly you go about it. But yeah, the question was asked in the car yesterday and, and the throwaway answer that it comes from, babies come from mommy's tummy was insufficient um because they how do they like, get there how do they get there so uh yeah if the likes of Mate <laughs> who not, wants a nice lolly <laughs> <laughs> and uh did I you know, hit your sister <laughs> he's, he's five so and what what is the ideal age for me to begin this conversation what's the best way to, for me to approach it um answers on a postcard they'll be much appreciated
0: we can do that uh, so the postcard is best sent to dadcast at offtheball.com or at DadCastPod on Twitter. That's our Twitter handle. Uh, the Four Dads will be back next week and we're going to do this every week. Isn't that right, lads? Sure.
2: Nathan, what's the story with that guitar there behind you? Just
1: a guitar? Yeah. Show sure, it there. For playing. That's on the tune. It needs to be fixed. Well, well so what, what's you do it doing casually
2: hanging around the back of your Because
1: uh, Well, it wasn't so casually. It was um, moved there, I think, by my wife when she was um, hoovering a little bit earlier so it's not usually there it's usually just over the other side of the camera where God knows what is happening right now
2: that was an awkward
1: explanation instead of what <laughs> <laughs> it's usually it's usually just there but it was moved just here
2: <laughs> okay. a right. story about your, another, um, another wormhole <clears throat> uh,
0: right uh, that's this week's podcast thanks very much for being a part of it we will be doing this every week from now on we're going to stick it in your schedules because we know how, you, how much everybody likes a little bit of schedule to uh, spice things up. Um, dadcast at offtheball.com is the email address. We'll see you next week. Take care.